Southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. another spooky Halloween episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock podcast. I wish I could talk like Vincent Price. That would be much better. <laughs> With me is Jason. What's going on, man? What is happening, Brian? <laughs> uh, who's that? How's that? What's that? Dracula? I think so. It's it's a uh, it's an accent, scary accent of indeterminate origin. Okay. Wow. It wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. But what we have for you today is a good episode, a Halloween episode. It is a Halloween episode. And we're uh, we're here on Friday, October 28th via the All Things Blues and Southern Rock time machine. It's really like we're here from the 18th. Is it today? I think so. Where it was. That's well, we recorded came. this earlier in October, though, with... <laughs> with our halloween guest because our halloween guest was not going to be available for a couple weeks due to a cruise the yeah, kiss cruise as a matter yeah, of fact wow so what, what so we had to celebrate halloween a little bit early brian yeah. and talk about some some of some more of our favorite songs inspired by horror themes as well as our guests picked five really good songs yeah so what what is your favorite halloween candy Ooh, we're going okay. Um, I'm not a big candy guy, like candy candy stuff. I like what anything is, with pe- peanut butter in it. Okay. Peanut butter or peanuts. So like the Reese's. Reese's, probably like Reese's peanut butter pumpkin or bat would be right yeah. there. What about you? Uh well, I prefer the marshmallows from Lucky Charms without the without the <laughs> <laughs> it's a Oh my gosh. Maybe. Oh my gosh. No, do you have a favorite Halloween candy? Um, yeah, I'm like a Reese's guy too. If I got to pick one. Yeah, it's hard to go wrong with peanut butter, you know. Right. Did you? Did you? So you grew up between Minnesota and North Dakota, right? Well, I grew up in North Dakota. In North Dakota. So did you trick or treat, or was it like too cold and crappy to trick or treat? Um. Sometimes they would bring us in the car. You know, I remember one year for whatever reason. I remember like it was like like we got at least. Not necessarily even early snowstorm, a snowstorm, 
we got driven around. And I can remember in, in other couple of years where we're just walking around, you know, not, you know, in, you know, jean jackets and jeans and all that or whatever we're dressed up in. So it's kind of a coin flip. So it's possible the weather sometimes for you to be able to trick or treat without dying in a snowstorm. Yeah. Or it could be really cold too. One of the two. Yeah. You know, so. It even gets get a little chilly trick or treat nights in my neck of the woods. I remember one year, my son went as the Joker, so he had all like the face paint and the mm-hmm. hair, and it rained slashed, snowed, and like by the end of the night, everything had run down off his face <laughs> and head onto his. But sometimes it's 55 degrees and clear and nice. So it's just, you know, it's Ohio. You just never know what's going to happen. Did you, for your bag, did you like have those like little pumpkin, like like plastic with the hand? Of course, the little plastic pumpkins. <laughs> yeah, but I think we start out with pillowcases and then we moved on to plastic pumpkins, <laughs> which actually stink because the, you can't carry that much candy in a plastic pumpkin. You have to go back to your home base and dump it and move forward. A pillowcase carries like five times as much as a pumpkin can yeah basically you're straining you're getting a good workout a lower body workout with your candy bag therefore earning the candy and not feeling guilty about it all right well i think our guest probably wasn't cold when he trick-or-treated to southern california right southern california and uh yeah i he's a so our guest um is somebody who's been on the podcast before but not on his own full episode. He was one of our rock and pod guests. He is a lover of all things horror and whether it be movies, songs, Halloween, collectibles, anybody that follows him on Twitter, Instagram is a Patreon Patreon member of his. Uh, we'll see he loves horror, Brian. So who better to have on our second annual Halloween podcast than this guest? Ace Von Johnson, uh, guitar player from LA Guns, not one of the OGs, but uh, the new OGs, and uh, played in Faster Pussycat before then, and has worked on a lot of other things, and does uh, some voiceovers for TV stuff, and he's uh, entertainment jack of all trades, and uh, so, and we definitely, when we're talking about, like, bands from the 80s that, that you know, are more in the blues rock kind of kind of genre, it'd be definitely Ellie Guns and Faster Pussycat. Absolutely. They have a lot of very bluesy and either a little bit of Southern rock inspired stuff, particularly some of this new Ellie Guns material that we had. But yeah, he fits in the vein. He's just a cool rock guy, uh, loves to play music, loves horror, and had some really five good picks actually we all had really good picks um this year and uh it's easy to do there's a lot of horror songs out there and blues has a lot of really creepy stuff just generally from the you know how it started just carries that well up to the current wrong songs of today and um well you'll hear aces pick but the one from um deep purple was actually fascinating because it's a relatively recent Deep Purple song. And there is a killer music video that actually has images of Vincent Price. So I show, I sent that to Ace on Twitter and he ate that up. It's fantastic. Right on. So uh, yeah, Ace is a great, uh, fascinating guy to talk to. So uh, you guys are going to enjoy this. So uh, as always, we tell you, kick back, relax, uh, you know, get spooky. I don't know if, you know. Grab your favorite Halloween candy. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if the kids are 
trick-or-treating early probably not on friday but if you're listening to this on, on halloween night you know get all spooked out and listen to our conversation with ace von johnson from la guns guest segment of the podcast jason's gonna introduce our guest today thanks brian i'm always excited to have our guests on this week i'm super excited as you guys know it is our second out second annual speak right jason halloween show we've got a guy who loves horror movies it's gonna be perfect for doing the five songs countdown so we have ace von johnson from la guns on how you doing ace i'm very well how are you guys we're good we're good Good. more things in nashville Everything's great here. Nice weather we're having at the moment and uh, just enjoying my time. It's been a couple months now, but just enjoying my time off tour and at home. When, uh, when does the tour run wind down? Uh, I think roughly two months ago, the beginning of uh, August now. So, And then we had a few one-offs through the month and then all of September off and the first chunk of this month off and then uh, we boarding the kiss cruise uh, at the end of next week uh if my calculations are correct although frankly i have no idea what day it is anymore and uh and then a couple more one-off dates through the end of the year and then that's that's kind of our year in a nutshell who's playing on the kiss cruise uh there's two of them and back to back and obviously uh kiss will be there and um uh warren can it even be a kiss cruise if kiss doesn't show up well, if you ask Gene Simmons, yes, yes, it would, it could be. Um, yeah, uh, Warrant. Um, I know there's an All Star Jam. Uh, Dawkin, uh, uh, whatever George Lynch's current project is. Um, I, I, I unfortunately I forget the the title. Um, and uh, LA Guns, and then a couple. They did like a sort of like national local town spotlight kind of thing where they like let there's like a contest, like a battle of, of the bands kind of thing. And I think it's the cruise we're on of the two. One of them, I think their title is called the LA Maybe. I could be way wrong, but it's the LA. Yeah. Yeah. They played with us in Charlotte and they were a really great band. Like I think the entire tour package to watch them play and they were fantastic. So I'm looking forward to seeing them. And uh, yeah, that's kind of it. Cool. I think. Brian, did did we get reached out to about having the LA Maybe on? Is that who that is? They'll be on. Yeah. Soon eventually well pretty soon cool yeah great great up and coming band cool well uh if we can just get like a condensed you know version of when you started playing professionally and then lead into la into faster pussycat than la guns 
Sure. I'll try to give you the 90 second version or less. <laughs> uh, I had a, had a band as a teenager in San Diego, Southern California, and uh, played all over and did some networking and then joined an, a national act and toured a bunch and then joined another national act and toured a bunch. Wait, wait, who was the first one? Who was the first one you joined? Uh, a, a, a band called Madcap um, that had a little indie deal with a record label called Victory Records. Uh, Victory was pretty big oh, yeah. about 20 years ago. Uh, I had a friend of mine was the drummer for Hawthorne Heights and they were yeah. on Victory right out of Chicago. We signed, yeah. we signed at the exact same time as Hawthorne Heights. Got it. All uh, right, right on. I think we... I think we might have even been in the office at the same time we were doing like a deal memo. This would have been like Oh three or something like that. Um, And uh, I think at that point I was 20. And so, yeah, so madcap and then I joined another band and another band, another band, mostly punk rock bands. And, uh, and that went on for about five years. I played with Murphy's law from New York city and a band called the U S bombs out of orange County. And, countless other bands and projects with you know this that and the other guy from whichever you know all kinds of bands and then uh i ended up in an americana band called charlie and the valentine killers and the drummer was chad stewart who's still at that time and still is with faster pussycat Mm -hmm. and uh our bass player at one point was a guy named jerry montano who was in danzig and hell yeah and a bunch of other bands and uh so i met all these rock guys and i was trying to get out of playing in, in a punk rock band and work with more rock based stuff and eventually working with Chad led me to meeting Tammy and joining Pussycat. I did that for nine and a half years from uh, 09, 10, whatever you want to call it, 2010 till 2019. And in 2018, I joined uh, LA guns and I've been with them for the last four plus years. How do you go from a punk band to Americana? And was that intentional? Uh, yeah, it was intentional. I mean, it, it, I'm kind of of the mindset where, um, if you're a band with a drummer, a singer, a guitar player, you know, and, and whatever, it's, it's all kind of rock and roll. So, mm-hmm. um, or at least based. So yeah, it, yeah. it's, you know, I mean, you could put on a song off the first faster pussycat record and it, it has more in, in touch with, you know, the New York dolls or, or something like that, than then it doesn't. So, right. um, it's, it was pretty easy to go from playing g chord d chord a minor with a little chuck berry to g chord d chord a minor chuck berry it it, it's all kind of the it was all kind of the same it was mostly just the vocal stylings a lot that was different um but you know it's all kind of rock and roll to me i had heard uh read an interview with phil lewis when i think is after you got into the band when he had said like you you were the second guitar player that they were really looking for have they been courting you over a period of time or yeah um oh phil said that that's cool yeah in an um, interview, I did that. yeah they had called me or asked me i should say uh in various encounters uh in person and on the phone and a few other times over the course of i would say at least nine months leading up to me actually uh coming into the band which wasn't even me joining it was sort of one of those things where uh at each juncture where they would call, uh, I just, you know, initially I was kind of like, I don't know if that's for me or I'm busy with this tour or something else was going on. And then uh, the tour ended that I was on with Pussycat, uh, whatever it was, maybe June of 18. And they had said, Hey, we're calling again. 
And I was like, well, I'm not doing anything for the next four months. What do I have to lose? And I went out and I think it was like a two week run and I had a really great time and we all gelled really well. And I, there was, you know, no drama and uh, it was very professional and everyone was very, very, um, you know, like, you know, can you, can we get you anything? Like, are you good? Like, and I was sort of like, is this, this, <laughs> you know, no, no one was up, no one was screaming. There wasn't any, you know, I don't want to carry on too much, but there wasn't anything going on that made me want to leave. So I stayed and then I did both. I did double duty for about a year. And of course, as you could imagine, eventually the schedules conflicted and I had to pick yeah. one. And so I stayed with guns after 10 years with faster. I felt like uh, I had kind of, you know, been there and done that. I'm, I'm still really close with Tammy. I'm still really close with Sam Bam Colton, who I, mm-hmm. you know, hand chose to put in my place. And, uh, and Danny and Chad talk to those guys all the time. You know, I mean, I think I talked to Tammy. I have, I think I have a better relationship with Tammy after being out of the band than probably I did during my, most of my, most of my tenure in the band. So, you know, I love those guys, their family. I mean, after 10 years, it's hard to, it was hard to walk away, but I think I made the, the right decision for me personally. And, and, and I love them and I'm, I'm happy we still do stuff together, whether it shows or playing on some of their stuff or, or, or jamming. Like we did a bunch of stuff on the tour where I'd get up and jam yeah. with them and, and whatnot. And so it's, it's all good. You know, you, you actually answered the question I was going to ask, how was that transition work out? Ironically, or just to say, coincidentally, we're going to be talking to Sam next here in a couple Oh, minutes. good. Good. Yeah, Tell yeah. him I Wednesday. love him. Yeah. We will do. So let's, let's throw out a different question here. Uh, so you you were born and raised in Southern California, that area. Yeah, I was born in pa- Panorama City in 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 the uh, north north part of La- the Los Angeles area in the in like totally the valley, and uh, grew up there till I was about fourteen or fifteen, and then moved my f- folks now nah, fourteen maybe folks moved me to San Diego, and uh, I lived in San Diego until I was nineteen when I uh, joined Madcap and who was based out of Burbank um hmm. and my sister was living in sherman oaks which is all of five miles from burbank and so i moved in with my sister temporarily and i shouldn't even say moved in i was just basically staying there in between tours and uh spent two years traveling the world with them but yeah uh i'm, a, I'm an angelino second generation um my mother moved to la when she was about four from cleveland and uh my father uh his uh, mother also grew up in the Los Angeles area. I was talking about her the other day with somebody because she actually, apparently, my she's long gone, but I was asking my sister. Apparently, my grandmother in the 60s was a large animal, uh, worked for a vet type mm-hmm. place that delivered large animal med- medicines and like for horses and stuff like that and ran stuff out to Spawn Ranch in the 60s and encountered oh, wow. a, a young Charles Manson. So, oh um, you know, just all kinds of weird, like Angelino lore. My cousin's a, uh, my cousin's a pretty well-known movie director or was in the eighties and Mark Lester commando firestarter class of 84. Oh shit! Yeah, that's, uh, he did uh class of 1999, I think in yeah. the late eighties. Was that the was Android on... one? The yep. teachers were the Android. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah I was yeah. on set yeah. for that. I was on set oh, for the, uh, climax, uh, where the robots <laughs> climbing the ladder. I remember it. I'm getting goosebumps. I remember I was probably <laughs> six or seven and I'm watching, you know, I'm on this big soundstage and probably yeah. Hollywood or who knows somewhere in LA and just like, this is, I want to do this. You know, it was that combined with my father's love of horror movies it being just ingrained in my childhood. I mean, from as far back as I can remember or why 
to me, horror is so important. But yeah, to go back to your question, yeah, from LA, yeah. Um, um, so like, when when were you like mostly involved in the music scene there? It'd be your late teens, early twenties. I know this is probably long past the yeah boom of the. So what when you were like there and and getting in bands and doing your thing, what what was that scene like and at that point? Uh, I mean, by the time I was you know involved in music, uh, even going to concerts, I was in San Diego at that point, and. Yeah. It was, I, I'm, a, I'm technically a millennial. I almost said that wrong. I'm the millennium. Uh, I'm a millennial. I graduated uh, in high school in 01. Okay. So, uh, you know, it, at like what freshman year was probably like 98. So, um, you know, a lot of the bands that I'm kind of known for or whatever the, the, the genre music I play in for the last 10 plus years was long sort of out of, was, you know, no longer in vogue. And uh I was aware of, you know, Motley's, the Motley's and the Guns N' Roses. And, uh, you know, I had a really close friend whose mom was sort of like into hair metal kind of thing. So I got exposed to Tesla and LA Guns and Pussycat and a, and a handful of what I would consider like the cream of the crop uh, sort of by uh, uh, in my peripheral. And, and then he, my best friend, again, at that time was like this total metalhead, like Hesher, long hair, kind of like whatever that character in Stranger Things that everyone's mm -hmm. talking about, like that guy. And I was the yin to his yang, where I was like the, I had the Mohawk and the Misfits and that whole thing. But by the time I got into playing music, you know, playing shows and going to shows and putting on shows, uh, late 90s San Diego was very, 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 uh, let's say pop punk friendly i mean blink 182 uh, a band called unwritten law who i played in for five minutes in my uh, about 10 years ago uh all that kind of stuff was really popular and uh sort of on the heels of green day and 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 stuff like that and so there was just a lot of that going on but it was really a neat thing to be a part of in hindsight i mean i was within six months of starting my first like legitimate real band uh, i was booking shows i was booking national acts i was booking you know bands that I still listen to to today, you know, like, oh, the partisans are coming over from the UK. How do I book them in San Diego? You know, like getting on the phone with promoters. And I was really, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I was really for a kid pre-social media. I mean, this was when it was just dot coms and maybe email lists. I was really, really driven and uh, to get my foot in the door and I, I didn't want to be a musician. I just wanted to be involved. I still, to this day, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a fan. It's I'm a fan before anything else. And so um, it was just neat to sort of be a fly on the wall for a lot of things. And then, you know, I'd book a band and they're like, Hey, don't you play guitar? Yeah, I do. Okay, cool. Well, if we ever need somebody, we'll call you. And then that was how I ended up getting my first sort of, a couple auditions for bands and as a teenager and uh and that was that so it was you know it wasn't anything like la guns or faster pussycat but it's interesting how a lot of that stuff is sort of over the last 20 plus years sort of inner uh, intertwined and cross-contaminated again going back to what i said where it's sort of like well there's a singer and a guitar player and a drummer it's kind of all like you could put a punk band with it's like when you see a festival now where it's like well we've got lit but we've also got tesla but we've also got five finger death punch you're like well none of those bands sound the same yeah but there's it's rock and roll so it still kind of yeah. works in that that respect and you get guys like from what any i mean 
hell, I sent Billy Joe from Green Day at one point. We sent him a, a Faster Pussycat hat. You know what I mean? Like, so you get these guys from just because they're in this band, like just because the singer of Cannibal Corpse is in Cannibal Corpse doesn't mean he doesn't love the first specials album. You know what I mean? It's just that's there and this is there. And so there's a really cool gray area between so many types of bands that you'd never imagine. Uh, that was one of the things that I really thought was cool uh, coming out of the 80s, looking back as just a fan. And obviously I wasn't there, but you'd see like, oh, well, you get Gilby Clark is going to go jam with the guys from Jellyfish and then the guy from Jellyfish Stone Temple Pilots is going to be there, you know, and it's like they were all kind of like a little diverse, but still they were still rock and roll bands. So I just kind of look at it like it's all rock music. And uh, I hope I answered whatever the question was. (laughs) You answered a question. Jellyfish. I think Jellyfish has like hundred times more fans now than actually when they came out with those two records. Like, I think everybody so, loves I, Jellyfish, but nobody listened to them in the nineties. It feel like. Yeah, I think they're like a they're a cult band now. But yeah. they, it was it was one of those things that you know it, by the time they got popular, they didn't, didn't exist anymore. I'm sure having um, the con the uh, connection to the Slash's Snake Pit mm-hmm. project probably helped after the fact too. Yeah, and Brian and I are both big Black Crows fans, and I know they Same. opened for the Crows a little bit too. And uh, Steve Gorman talks to those. That's how I found out about him, honestly, through through him and started listening. I was like, where were these guys in the '90s? You know, when I was in college. Yeah. Kind of a shame. What a great band, their own sound, like totally original. Very, very Beatlesy. Uh, very, yeah, like the harmonies and everything. Yeah. Te- definitely, definitely. Um, a quick question for you. So you started out in punk bands, you went to Americana, and then you said you wanted to go more in that hard rock style, which is really predates you and your, like, what drove you to really want to play that style of music? I mean, all the guitar licks you get to do, kind of, what was it? Uh, it's all Alice Cooper's fault. Um, <laughs> I, what uh, is it? Yeah. God bless him. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I mean, I grew up, I, I'll try to not rant too long here. I listened to everything when I was in middle school, when I was in fifth grade, when I was in ninth grade, I listened to everything. It wasn't until high school where everybody was like, you can't listen. To you. It was these little uh, clicks where it was like mm-hmm. the punks go that way and the Hessians go that way and the goths go over there. And if you like, you know, sublime, you have to go that way. And you couldn't, it wasn't allowed. And I hated that because I liked, I was like, well, why can't I like the Beach Boys and Slayer? Why? Who says I can't? Why can't I listen to NWA and also Black Flag? Why? And so um, as a early guitar player, the easiest thing for me to pick up and was, you know, as a young man or whatever, angst, punk rock, I was like, oh, Ramones, you know, okay, I'm in. I started a band. Easy. You know, social distortion, the misfits, uh, that kind of stuff was easy to pick up, replicate and, you know, fuck you, mom, fuck you, school. You know, that kind of stuff was so easy. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't trying to do, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, something more intricate. And so um, I already forgot what the question was. I had a point that I was tangent. <laughs> what drove to. you to play in that hard rock style? Oh, OK. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, yeah. you. thank you. Thank you. So as I got. <laughs> as I got more invested in playing in these bands and the more I played my instrument, 
the more I wanted to get better and the more right. time I spent learning, you know, honing my craft. I say that loosely because I still am still learning. But, uh, you know, I was like, truthfully, there was about a six month period where I was, uh, you could say homeless, but I don't know what else to call it. I was like kind of living in a rehearsal space and or in my car. And, uh, you know, you just do you deal. And so I was in a project with a female singer and she was traveling the world with her husband, who was in a more a known band and I'll save them, keep them out of this or whatever. Still friends. I talk to them all the time, but you know, I, I still don't think they know, but I was living in their rehearsal space. You know, I was like, they're out of town. They'll never know. And so I spent months with this use your illusion DVD from GNR just watching it being like, I want to play like that. Why can't I play like slash? I was like, fuck all these three chord songs. I want to be better. And I had kind of at around the same time, 23, pretty young, uh, had been taken under the wing of a guy named Todd youth and Todd youth. I, at the time really, uh, um, uh, idealized his career where he had gone from Murphy's law and agnostic front and Warzone and all these punk rock bands from the East coast, Northeast, uh, to being in Danzig and he filled in in motorhead and he was playing for ACE freely. And so he had sort of made this transition and then eventually Glenn Campbell and, um, you know, all these other things. And I was like, how did, and cheap trick and, you know, on an album, I was like, how did he go from that to that? And so, um, he kind of took me under his wing a little bit. And he was like, yeah, you really just, you got to get out of, you got to get away from this punk rock stuff. And so uh, I was playing in a band and our booking agent was a guy named Charlie and uh, who was the singer of that band, Big Bang Babies that Carrie Kelly uh, originally came from. And uh, he was, he was the guy, Charlie and the Valentine Killers. And he said, Hey man, you know, I see you playing in all these punk bands. He goes, you know, you look, you look cool you know, you're tattooed and you look like a rock guy. Why, you know, you want to join a rock band instead of, you know, circling the drain in some of these smaller bands. And, and I saw it as an opportunity and I wanted to play in Alice Cooper's band, or I wanted to play in those band, you know, something like that. And I was like, Oh, the drummers in faster pussycat and the bass players from Danzig. And, you know, Brian Forsyth from kicks was in the band for five minutes. Wow. And so there were, there were these guys and I was like, okay, so maybe this is a good opportunity. And, and it was my friends and it was very, very, very entrenched in the Hollywood world, you know, with the rainbow, every couple of days we were rehearsing at Hollywood and Highland. And so, uh, I was just there and, and, uh, you know, within a year and a half of that, I mean, we toured David Allen co and we did a bunch of dates with uh, Headcat, which was Lemmy's other band and um stuff like that and so it afforded me the opportunity to get out of just being uh, a punk rock guitar player which i still as a record collector i still predominantly only listen to punk rock i mean i'm wearing an electric frankenstein shirt you know yeah. but um but I, I like it all so that was kind of the 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 transition so uh before we get into the halloween stuff that we're that we're here for sure. i wanted to ask you to get have some little bit of a chat about uh, your dog rescue things that you do and sure. how that came about it's such a wonderful thing you know we're nice. both dog lovers you know my dog always sleeps right there when we're doing this so I'd love to hear all about that yeah um I mean there's three of them all within eye shot I think you can see two of them here um and then there's one over there uh I I don't have a rescue organization myself I think there there's sometimes a misconception about that I'm I'm more of just an advocate 
uh, I've worked in tandem or with or alongside uh, a few groups over the years um, between uh, Best Friends Animal Society and uh, Show Your Soft Side. And I mean, I've donated some things to Stand Up For Pits, uh, which is uh, this uh, wonderful comedian writer, Rebecca Corey organization. She does a lot of stuff uh, nationally. Uh, I couldn't speak highly enough of her. Uh, here in Nashville, there's a group called Nashville Pity. There's also a group called Pity and Pink that too, uh, my boy foster fail here rufus is from and my current foster willow who's over there is from um so i just try to do as much as possible and use whatever little bit of uh, accolade i have or platform etc to just sort of draw attention to uh not just the plight of the pit bull which is my main passion but just rescue in general i mean i've donated to cat rescues and uh i did one for a raccoon sanctuary one time you know just <laughs> That's anything completely I just, random yeah just i you know i try to um, it's usually multiple times a week, but I try to do something regularly, if not several times a month and just whether it's donate or, you know, I mean, the reposting on social media, mostly predominantly Twitter, uh, is a daily occurrence for me. Yeah. Um, it's probably the only thing That's I was going to say. Anybody that follows you on with. social media knows your passion, you promote, you help and a very big advocate. And that's great to Thank see. You. Yeah. I try to, I try to just do as much networking sometimes completely behind the scenes, Sometimes it's just as simple. Like even today, I tagged a, somebody had sent me this dog that had been injured that was in New York City. And I have a friend here in Tennessee uh, who's a retired NYC, uh, uh, horrible stuff he's told me, but he's a homicide detective. And so I, I sent him and I was like, hey, man, can you do you have anybody in the city that you think could foster or pull this dog? And he's like, I'm on it, you know, so it's just and all I had to do was like it took that took like 30 seconds of my day and I'm, you know, hope you know i say loosely but pray that that comes to fruition because i mean it, it's infinitely more rewarding than like all the you know the whole stigma of like sex drugs and rock and roll like that's really uh it gets really hollow really fast and but that's not uh, the that's not the world of rock anymore at all though at all i mean it is for some people well for some uh, people but it's not it's not the norm yeah i mean it just you know I mean, we were all young men at one point, but it's uh, the last 10 years of my life has been mostly that is my focus rather than like, you know, we need to go party, man. You know, like, it's just, <laughs> I don't care about that. I'm content staying home and, and working on music and hanging with my dogs and et cetera. And so, yeah, I just, I, I, anytime I can, uh, I always tell people, I said, you know, if, no matter where you are, especially here in the States, with i guarantee within 50 miles there's a rescue organization a sanctuary mm -hmm. a shelter anything i mean as simple as bagging up some old blankets or towels or you know donating 25 dollars once a month i mean the littlest amount you'd be surprised how far it can go and then if you extrapolate that by you know reaching you know if you guys each convince 10 people or not convince but you know tell 10 people and they tell 10 people next thing you know you know extrapolate those numbers you're you're really seeing some a positive dent in this and unfortunately with the kill shelter problem here in america is i mean you're talking i don't know the numbers offhand but i mean they're astronomical of how many dogs every week are put to sleep and you know people forget when i'm sharing these dogs on social media predominantly that is twitter um you know when the dogs aren't fostered or pulled or saved or or find a home which is what you hope for uh, let's say about 90 plus percent of them are, are PTS. It's put to sleep, you know, so it's, they don't just go somewhere else, you know, that's the reality. 
is, is that they die. And so, um, you know, and, and then having to engage with trolls, you know, who just want to be horrible people because they have access to the internet. And it's, it's the whole thing is really when you, when I try to detach from it, sometimes it's just really, really, really heartbreaking. And I'm not even in the thick of it. You know, I'm not at a, a shelter. I don't have my own rescue group. I wish I did my end game and I'll, I'll stop there, but my end game is, is eventually like to buy some property and do phospis. I just want to take in as many seniors as mm -hmm. possible yeah. and be like, look, if they've got 18 months or less, bring them here, you know, cause I don't want to get, I have a puppy here right now and I, I don't want to get married to 12 to 17 years or whatever of, right. of my, of, of a pet. Let's save that for somebody who's got kids and, and, and the time, you know, as a professional musician or whatever you want to call it, I only can do so much. So that's ideally what I would like to do in my, in my twilight years. And, 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 and I'll leave it at that. Thank you. That's, that's well, awesome. you get to that point, Brian, and I would be happy to donate. So yeah, let us know. Sure. Thank for you. Sure. I appreciate for it. Sure. Let's someday. I hope Jason, you want to lead us with this Halloween stuff? I will. And the reason why you're here and it was, it was great to talk to you a little bit more. And we only had like, I think 10 or 15 minutes here at rock and pod. So it's, yeah. it was really awesome to get some more backstory, but sure. I will say before we get into cool shit, I did see you guys on the Sonic Slam tour coming through Columbus. It was top three show for me. It was amazing from Faster Pussycat all the way up to Kiefer. And what is Phil Lewis doing to keep his voice? Like he sounded just like he did. Holy shit. Like as soon as I heard him, I'm like, he's not even, it's not a track. That's him. Ah, no tracks. Uh, Phil is from another planet. Uh, yeah. he, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I mean, he is no, like it. something else. I love Phil Lewis so much. You know, it's funny as I was sitting, just sitting where he is about two hours ago, pulling out records. I think I pulled out humble pie and I have the two girl albums and I'm looking, I'm going, I got to put these on again. And I'm looking and I'm going, this motherfucker still sounds the same. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, he, he takes really good care of himself. He really prides himself in his voice. It's his instrument. Yeah. It's his craft. Right. Um, he doesn't smoke. He doesn't, you know, I was gonna say he doesn't drink a lot, but sometimes, you know, he's not a chronic abuser of the alcohol. Yeah. I mean, what's a bottle of wine every couple of days? What are you going to do? Right. right. But we have fun. And he's just, I say that in jest. Cause I, 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 I adore him. He's, he's, and I've worked with so many guys and he is, I would have to say hands down the easiest front man I've ever worked with in my life. And he, like you said, he sounds like he did, in, you know, 88, 89, 90, 91, et cetera. And, um, and he's a sweetheart, you know, so I don't know. I don't know what he does. Like I said, he's, he's from another. You, you guys crushed world. it though, man. You and Tracy Thank were you. awesome. Dual guitar. All the bands Thanks, were great. Tracy. Like I closed my eyes and like, I felt like I was a kid again, like listening to you guys back in high school. And it was just awesome. So hope to see you guys back out on the road again. I'm, I'm in. It was just fantastic. Right on. Yeah. Next year for sure. All right. Okay, here's what we're going to do. This is our second annual Halloween show. We like to have our guests on and we give five of our favorite, doesn't have to be our favorite all time, or five horror-inspired rock songs, any genre. I know we're a blues and southern rock podcast, doesn't need to be in there. So we're going to just talk through them and give them. And then if we have time before you have to run off to do your duty, we might do a little bit of a speed round, Halloween-related quick questions. Sure, I'm up for it. All right, Ace, since you're our guest tonight, I'm going to give you a chance to go first with your first pick on your list. Okay, my first pick on my list is from a band that needs no introduction. It is the 
uh, I think it was the lead single off their 2013 album, Now What, by Deep Purple. The song is called Vincent Price, and it is probably my favorite Deep Purple song of all fucking time. I know that sounds like sacrilege, but as a diehard Vincent Price fan, it came out, it was like a promo, like, you know, single or whatever the hell we do. It was 2013, so it was like, you know, iTunes or whatever, and I was like, okay, you're putting out a song called Vincent Price, this better be fucking good this better <laughs> blow my skirt up and to this day it still blows my skirt up it's just it, riff heavy i think was it steve morris on guitar on that and uh, the solo's great the vocals are great it sets the the there's like chains rattling and i'm getting goosebumps just totally a great <laughs> song 10 out of 10 so that's it and obviously everybody vincent price shouldn't need any introduction i mean you know well no and he he did the narration at the beginning of thriller and everybody knows yep. thriller yes Yes. Do you have a favorite Vincent Price horror movie? Uh, yeah. Uh, by far, it's House on Haunted Hill, 1959, followed yeah. by uh, probably, I have an affinity for this really obscure movie he did called Monster Club, uh, circa 8081. And you just did that YouTube um, live narrate, whatever for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a child of the 80s, I know exactly that special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could go on and on. Vincent Price is my favorite horror uh, actor over Bella and Boris and 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 uh, uh, Cheney Jr. and Senior, all those guys. It's definitely Vincent Price. I'm not familiar with that song. I did write it down. Brian, are you, you familiar? Should... I I am now. I yeah, if, if, if you love Deep Purple and, yeah. and a spooky Halloween song, I'd put it on. I, it's anytime I make a playlist. I've made playlists over the last ten years. It's been on it, especially or for right. Halloween, I should say. I'm on it. Brian, I'm going to go to you next. What's your what's your first pick? I just the just the five things that came to my head. I that's the order I put them in, but the first thing that came to my head was Ozzy Bark at the Moon. Nice. There Probably we go. more for the video, but the lyrics as well. Yeah. So. You can choose about any Ozzy or Black Sabbath song and do okay on this one. All right. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to actually, I'm going to stay in our genre. I, I figure I owe it to us. I'm going to choose a blues song. Like John Lee Hooker, Graveyard Blues. Oh. I mean, a blue, <laughs> are you familiar with that song? If you're not, yeah. check it yeah. out, man. Yeah, yeah. All the spooky shit that you want to hear about in a blues format, perfect for this time of year. Now I want to change my list already. <laughs> I want to change uh, my list a bunch of times. Shit. <laughs> Well, it's hard to do because you go through and it's like, well, not necessarily my favorite of the scariest when there's just so many songs. that you can, I got to I got to add. I got to because I have a I wrote. Wait, just give me a sec here. I wrote some backup right. lists because. Um, <laughs> uh, and now the stuff is coming to me. And I have to at least mention them. So I'm sorry to interrupt. So but don't do it because I'll forget. But OK. My next pick, and I'm just going to go off my list before I yep. give you my uh, supplementary other 53 songs. Uh, <laughs> my second pick was um, not really a deep cut, I guess, but um, he's been playing it for the last 50 years. I guess it's not a deep cut. Uh, Ballad of Dwight Fry from Alice Cooper's 1971 yeah. Love It to Death LP, which I, I guess is my second favorite Cooper record, um, which is sort of his uh love letter if you will to the actor dwight fry character actor who played renfield in dracula in 1931 and the same year he was also fritz in frankenstein 
which basically the Dude same got character. pigeonholed. And, hey, we've got a Renfield movie coming out starring Nicolas Cage at some I point. I heard. I heard. I, I'm a little on the fence about it, but I'm sure it'll be all right. I'm gonna, I, here, here's my prediction. Nicolas Cage is going to play a crazy version of that character. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking, right? And scream probably a whole lot. That's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. Uh, Alice Cooper is a great chick. Uh, pick Ace, you know, again, much like Ozzy, you can choose almost anything from, from him and it's going to fit right in. I mean, that's what he married, right? The horror, the theatrics, along with the rock music. Yeah. Love it. All right, Brian, give us, give us your next one. So my next one is from a current band uh, from Wisconsin that we've had on the podcast before and will again. I know who this is. Fantastic band uh, called Bourbon House. Uh, female singer Lacey Curl is fantastic. But uh, the song is Dead in the Water. Um, and uh, the video, it's like, she is just great. She, she can do like the whole like girl crawling out of the well thing and creepy crawly. But he's got like one of the band members like, She's playing like dead over his shoulder and it's all foggy, dark woods. But that's that's uh, that's from the record into the red. So yeah, Bourbon so House Ace, dead in the water. Cool. If you're not familiar with Bourbon House, check them out. They're they're very Zeppelin-y and they've got a um both Lacey and her husband, who Jason, who plays lead guitar, they're both were horror writers. And like so they've the songs are the lyrics are always very dark. And I worry about Jason sometimes, Brian, because a lot <laughs> of her song lyrics are about Men, women getting revenge against men <laughs> check them out bourbon house all right i'm gonna go with um great 80s band you'll know them from a lot of movies not necessarily horror movies um and the lead guy now does is the go-to for all kind of theatrical symphonic batman and superman and all that kind of stuff uh, oingo boingo with weird science you got mad science you can't go wrong with that i was i had a, i was struggling i was gonna go and go boy and go either dead man's party or weird science we're gonna do yeah. weird science that entire record uh dead man's party uh is fantastic there's a song on the b-side called stay uh and the opening track just another day i mean that's that might be like a desert island record for me danny elfman is uh, is sort of like like a modern day musical prometheus he's like a modern day mozart you know i mean he's yeah. really you know just his his compositions uh i mean i have so many as a record collector I have so many of just his sound his scores alone um i mean from from doing the simpsons uh song to you know everything in between it's just what a really talented guy uh, right to still, go from writing kind of that pop yeah, and to doing these soundtracks and working with them, crazy. Yeah, yeah, he's and uh, uh, he's still out performing, you know, live periodically. And uh, I got to see him uh, perform the Nightmare Before Christmas uh, sound uh, score or whatever you want to call yeah. it, the orchestra and the cast, Catherine O'Hara and Paul Rubens at the Hollywood Shit. Bowl, and uh, I had bought a scalped ticket for you know two digits right like 80 <laughs> bucks and i didn't realize that i was i mean 15 feet from him and it was well worth the price of admission and it was just great so great great pick there i'm a huge fan obviously as i rant over your your, your pick very halloweeny 
right? Oh, completely appropriate. Completely appropriate. I actually am surprised I didn't think of putting him on here. I, I kind of tried to do a couple sort of, now I'm going to go a little deep, deep cut here uh, and leaning a little more punk rock after this next one. So uh, obviously, you know, with your guys' podcast and show, uh, this is probably the most, I guess, blues-based artist, if you will, but a gentleman comes out of Austin, Texas named Rocky Erickson. Uh, is a song called i walked with a zombie from his uh 19 i guess 81 lp the evil one which i have probably four different copies of and uh that's how important to me that record is uh which also was covered on a tribute album to him in 1990 uh what is that called where the pyramid meets the eye by rem um which was based on the uh 1943 rko picture uh which is basically like the first sort of depiction of what we think of as zombies um and uh, they were voodoo right zombies were voodoo yes back those days and uh that uh most of that album is actually produced by Stu cook from uh credence clearwater revival so bass player uh he might have even played bass on that track i'm unsure but that's my my third pick what is it about blues music and even jazz it just lends itself to kind of creepy themes it's a predominantly minor tones and 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 cording and whatnot uh the devil's triad is <laughs> devil's triad exactly yeah listen to that black sabbath riff yeah. you know and you'll know it um actually i don't know if you can see right now but right where is it right there on my turntable just coincidentally is the robert johnson complete oh. re- recordings wow. again oh, yeah there you pull, go pulling through random stuff because i have like i don't know how many lps 1200 records and i keep buying stuff and i go man i gotta i I buy it and i force myself to listen to it and then i shelf it and then i'll pull it out as i feel like listening to whatever it is and i go i gotta stop buying more stuff and go back and just pull out all the shit i buy and so it's like you know one of these kind of things and that's where i ended up with humble pie and i was looking at girl and then i and pulled out next you know hij got to robert johnson i was like i haven't listened to this in two years i'm gonna pull that out so you know i mean it all really kind of comes from him. So, but a lot of, you know, devil's triad and minor chords and, and whatnot. And let's be honest, who wants to listen to a bunch of happy stuff? I want, I want dark and sad and minor keys. Right. Well, well, you could pick almost anything from Robert Johnson too. It'd be perfect for Halloween playlist. I mean, the guy did sell his soul to the devil. Yeah. So, so, so so they say, (laughs) yeah. All right, Brian, your next pick. Uh, my third pick is really well-known song. Uh, pro- their biggest song probably from 1976 record, Agents of Fortune, but Blue Oyster Cult with uh, um, Don't Fear the Reaper. Yes. Got to have that. Well, Ace, your current band, you guys did a cover album sometime in the 2000s. You guys covered Don't Fear the Reaper. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> yeah, uh, before you me. were in the band. Yeah. I think it's yeah. called a Hollywood covered or something like that, but there's a version of Don't Fear the Reaper. Oh, I have to listen to that. I would love to hear Phil do that. Uh, and what I like about that one, that's been used in some pretty cool horror stuff. I think the oh, thing yeah. that sticks out in my mind the most was the original Stan miniseries back in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. That's a pretty, oh, yeah, pretty badass one. Yeah. Good, good reference. Actually, uh, I'm, I'm, blowing it here but the bass player on that album whose name escapes me he's kind of a unique name uh randomly just followed me on twitter 
And I was like, nah, it's probably a fan account. And I looked and it was really him. And I was like, oh, that's cool. It's a guy from Blue Oyster Cult. Wow. Well, Great record. Great record. You could have cho- chosen Godzilla as well, Brian, and we would have accepted that one. <laughs> yeah. Best baseline ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's badass. All right. Ace, my third choice is going back to your original hometown of Cleveland. It's from probably my favorite horror movie of all time. We're going to go with The Cramps with Surf and Dead. Wow. From Return of the Living Dead. From Return of the Living Dead. I am a huge Return of the Living Dead fan. And I love that song. I love that whole soundtrack. It's perfect rock, punk, and horror all in one. Yeah, Rocky Erickson's on there. Yeah. Actually, my next choice is on there as well. Uh, I've got, I, I unrelated to this, I collect horror movie theatrical posters like original ones and i have just outside the office here at 80 what was the year 86 85 return of the 85 yep 85 the uh the australian one so it looks like a tombstone it's not just the 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 poster but yeah great great pick great pick huge cramps fan man and that is that is a great movie that scared the shit out of me when i saw as a kid probably i was probably 12 the first time i saw it and just you know, hard to shake that one for a couple of days. Now I well, watch it, love it. It's funny. It's it's what set the precedent for what we think of as a lot of contemporary zombies. It was the first time zombies could run. It was the first time yep. zombies spoke brains. Yeah, uh, and ate brains. Was, yeah, and it was the first time you saw fast zombies. Um, and uh, it, uh, I'm sure I could go on a whole deep dive on trivia, but I'll tell you one thing. Actually, here's another band I forgot for my runner-up choice anything from 45 grave from the sleep and safety record which is completely um goth influenced you know southern california punk rock and they redid their their big single uh party time for that soundtrack and a thing that most people don't know is that the singer dinah cancer actually was the music director for that soundtrack she handpicked each of those artists Mm. um i was at they did a 20 yeah, 20th anniversary screening of that at the Egyptian in 05 that I went to in Hollywood. And they did a big dais with all the cast and all the, some of the people from the bands as well, including Mary Sims or uh, uh, Dinah Cancer from 45 Grave. And she was there talking about it, how the record label, which might have been Enigma, uh, said, you, you know, you're spooky, you pick them. And so she picked all these bands and uh, tried to get some deep cuts, including that cramp song that, that uh, surf and dead is, is relatively obscure. Um, as is the damned song, uh, deadbeat dance, I think is the song, uh, from the damned, which is to segue into my next choice is, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from the dams, 1980 LP, the black album, which is, I mean, everybody yeah. who's a damn fan has a favorite damned album and, and no answer is wrong, but I think the black album might be, if not my number one album from them, my number two, um, great, uh, great, great track. Uh, it's still punk rock, but it's, you can see where they're starting to segue into sort of more gothier territory. Uh, I think it was the first time that they actually had a guy playing keys on the record. And then the guy stayed and did start touring with them the album before it had some piano and stuff, but they were still a four piece, uh, and I, I'm going to assume that it's inspired by the 41 film of the same title starring Spencer Tracy and Ingrid Bergman. Look at this mu- music movie trivia, man. This is fun and <laughs> educational for all of us. Yes, educational. <laughs> hey, for those listening at home. 
love it. Uh, when did you get into the dam? Was that one of those high school junior high bands when you really started listening oh, yeah. to music? That's yeah. one of the first ones. My sister uh was obsessed, was obsessed with them. She uh she has some stories she loves to tell about when she was like in eighth or ninth grade, her and her girlfriends would lie and say that they were part of like the UCLA Gazette or something like that. And so they would go to shows and go, we're part of the college uh, radio station to do a piece on the band. And Oh, come on, come on back. You know? And so she met Henry Rollins and Dave Vanian and all these, you know, Danny Elfman's and all those types under some false pretenses that she worked for some newspaper or something. And uh, she was obsessed with them. And so when I went to her at like 11 years old and was like, hey, what's this Ramones band all about? One of the first maybe four or five bands that she goes, here, take these and run, you know, Social Distortion and all these other bands was The Damned. And so I have very fond early memories. Actually, uh, Phil, when we did the first recording I did in LA Guns was a, a covers EP the another christmas in hell ep in yeah 28 yeah. 18 oh, that was your first okay that was my first outing with the band and everybody got to pick one holiday song and i picked there ain't no sanity clause uh from the damned <laughs> and getting phil lewis to record that uh willfully but like getting to record that with phil who's from the late 70s in england He's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I saw The Damned in 77. Who fucking cares, you know, and <laughs> just so cool. And, you know, he's like, oh, I saw Generation X and I just talked to Tony James last month. And I'm like, what? These are icons, man. So that was cool. So, yeah, anything The Damned is, for me, The Damned are just under the misfits for me as far as fandom goes. Nice. All right, Brian, over to you. Well, I had to give a tip to tip of the cap to, you know, part of our genre blues, so... I've got Gravedigger Blues by Willie Dixon from his Ooh, record, Mighty Earthquake cool. and Hurricane, 1984. And Another Grave Inspired Blues. They did, Brian, they yep. did. And if you can find, I don't know, remember which B-side or that one's on. That's a good choice there. That's a deep one. All right. Awesome. Over to me. So speaking of the Misfits, uh, I'm actually going to go. You can't have a Halloween related shit without the Misfits. That's the whole thing. Um, this is not the Glenn Danzig Misfits, though, but it's one of my favorites Misfits song. It is Saturday Night. Um, does it, it sounds like a 50s kind of like classic pop song, but yeah. the lyrics are, I think the guy's a serial killer of his girlfriends. I can't figure out what's going on in the song, but it's super catchy. It's cool. It's dark. Yeah. It's the Misfits. There's 52 ways to murder anyone. One and two are the same and they both work as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's middle... the start of the song. Yeah. I was just uh, eighth grade. Me still has all the lyrics memorized. Uh, awesome choice. We just, my, I'm in a band. I'm in an Americana style band, by the way. That's when I perked up. So we played a cool. Dayton music fest show. Anyways, we did a cover song. Our drummer wanted to sing that. So our other guitar player played the drums like, and we, we covered the Misfits and it sounded like our drum, a drummer singing. It was great. <laughs> Noted. Yeah. Good, good choice. I, uh, I left also the best for last. I also went with a Misfits song um, because again, you couldn't ask me to pick a bunch of Halloween type songs and for me to have left uh, the Misfits off the list. And arguably they are, uh, I guess what I would say is my favorite band. Uh, definitely teenage me would would have told you in, uh, indefinitely they were my favorite band. Um, uh, my pick 
was from their album the static age that was recorded in 1978 but wasn't released until 1996 it got shelved for a myriad of reasons but the track is return of the fly which is another uh, ode to vincent price um and um i just i it it's not a deep cut but it's not i wouldn't put it in there like 10 most popular songs either um it's just a great very uh it was kind of at the cusp when the misfits were going when glenn danzig's writing was segueing into being a, what we would call horror punk um the guitar riff is really cool you know uh what does it go from b minor to g and um you know blues right and mm-hmm. uh actually earlier this year um the guitar player on that album is the original guitar player a guy named franchet coma uh or frank and Frank and I have bonded over the last few years. Um, we met at a Misfits show at Madison Square Garden. And turns out Frank is a fan of some hair metal bands or 80s rock or whatever you want to call it. And he goes, I know you. I know you from somewhere. So uh, he sent me a copy of Static Age personalized to me. And I sent him a copy of Checkered Past from LA Guns personalized to him. And we both sent each other pictures of us holding it and then pictures <laughs> of our respective albums in each other's offices. Mine's right there. And I'm, I can't see because it it's at the angle it says, but I think it says, I think it says Ace honored to call you my friend. And I, I was like, oh, right in the feels, man. <laughs> you know, again, if my 15 year old self only knew. Um, so yeah, Return of the Fly, late 70s era Misfits, New York City punk rock, doesn't get any cooler. It's about a Vincent Price movie. How much more Halloween could you get? I, I wrote that down because I certainly want to check that out. I am not familiar with that. And by the way, that Checker Past album is unbelievably killer. It's it, it has that classic LA gun sound, but with a modern flair to it. That's honestly one of my favorite guns albums. Thanks. Top three. It's amazing. Thanks. I, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but yeah. I think it's my favorite album from the band after outside of the first three. You know. Yeah. So yeah. that's my take. And trying to be, you know, have a outside view of it it's i mean again it's modern but it still has that classic la gun sound and there's some musical choices where you guys really expand like you know all acoustic song and yeah. like, just it's crazy it blew my mind it made my top five list for last year so awesome i think Killer. if Killer. you really like checkered past i think the continuation of that you'll hear on on our next record black diamonds i'm not sure when that'll be out i would imagine next year um sometime but uh it's definitely the next uh, step from that, you know, with the whole amalgamation of hard rock and a little bit of metal and then some Zeppelin and some acoustic and some this and some that. So it's same vibe. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. You said next year. Uh, I would, I don't, I don't know verbatim, okay. but because it's basically already the end of October, uh, I would guess probably the first half of next year, but who, who knows? It's, it's done though. Everything mixed mastered all done uh it's mixed i don't know if it's been okay. sent off to be mastered yet uh, okay. i mean it was literally just finished like on the first so okay um, oh wow, it's, shit yeah it's recent it's recently done you know but yeah so go nice. ahead back back to the list brian you're up, oh brian. yeah sorry brian. yeah no it's get distracted yeah it happens uh my last pick my fifth pick was an alternate from last year and uh because of the some of the sound effects in the background under bob ezrin production but kiss got a thunder uh jeans the demon but song written by paul stanley but he just yeah. had to give it to him to sing but yeah just those the sound effects in there like just creepy and uh ezrin was great with that right yeah 
those textures. Uh, I mean, you can look at it with his stuff with, with Pink Floyd and with Cooper and especially that Kiss record. Um, I mean, I love it. I love stuff like that in general, you know, besides, you know, like texture outside mm -hmm. of just like stuff that Rob Zombie does is much further down the spectrum, obviously. But, mm -hmm. you know, besides just bass, drums, guitar, vocal, cool little interlude stuff and, and whatever. Great pick. Great song. I mean, speaking of music and horror, Rob Zombie, right? I mean, he does that. He just does it all. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My last pick. So I always got to throw something over to our guests that we have on for this. So I'm actually going with an L.A. gun song and Ace, this ought to be this ought to be news to you. But it's off that Covered in Guns album that you knew nothing about. The one that had Don't Fear the Reaper, Reaper mm -hmm. but it's also a cover of Cry Little Sister, The Lost Boys oh. theme song. I'm very aware of that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK. That is great. a great, great cover. Yeah. Great, great. Uh gosh who is the guy that does that um oh uh, it's like michael something or another i can't remember the name of the the artist uh you know okay as a as a sucker for trivia and a fanboy and then also having whatever you want to call my sort of trajectory um great pick man i love lost boys my friend alex who i've known for 20 years is the first person to die in Lost Boys. Oh, um, really? In the car know, when they rip they off rip the, the... Yeah. Yep, and he's trying to make out when the chicks read in the magazine. That's Alex. He's also in Predator 2 and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, Oh, no shit. Is he one yeah. of the gang guys in Predator 2? The drug guys are fighting? I, I All I know is he's on a subway. Okay. I, it's been so oh, long since yeah. I've seen Predator 2. You can't miss him because he's got a like a birthmark. So he's got this white yeah. streak in his hair or something like that. That's like natural, um, which is why... And he got hit in the face with like a tire iron in a, in a street fight. So he's got this kind of look uh, and he's- Crooked and then, face look? Yeah, kind of like a squint in a, in, a, in a really sort of defined jawline. Sweetheart of a guy, used to do MMA and whatever. I saw him, a God, maybe earlier this year. It was this year, but again, 20 years ago. And we were friends for a few years and he was like, you like horror movies, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you know, Lost Boys, right? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, you know, I'm in that, right? And I was like, no, you're not. And he goes, and he goes, oh, and I was like, you're the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Got uh, picked up and flown away back to their hideout with them, I think. Yeah, I think they were a late night snack. And then also, um, uh, oh, man, uh, Sexy Sax Man. Um, oh, yeah. Wow, I'm totally uh, brain farting. Um, we've been on stage together uh i've seen there's like a whole like fan community to that and they, they all wrote his backstory he's supposedly a vampire hunter oh really yeah <laughs> okay it's a relatively new it's a relatively new theory okay i'm embarrassed right now that i'm drawing a blank on his name tim capello timmy capello oh. timmy tim Tim Capello, well, the sexy sax for, uh, for Rock uh, Joe, and Shock. Joe, yeah, Joe. So, well, we played together a couple times at Rock and Shock, but then we have yeah. a, a, a seven inch coming out. He's the I'm the A side. He's the B side. Yeah. For that was for Joe Bob's last drive-in. Yeah. And uh, for their their Valentine's Day special. So I'm the physical product was supposed to be in hand already, uh, with you know vinyl plants are backed up for forever. So that's a TBA there. I'm waiting for it. So I can be like, look, I've got this split seven inch with uh, with Tim Capello, 
whose name took me 10 minutes to remember. It's all right. Tim's probably not listening to the podcast, but you never know. Uh, you know what? If he didn't remember my name, I wouldn't be offended either. <laughs> I just, there's too many moving. I'm thinking about feeding somebody, my friend's cats already. I'm going, oh, that medicine and that food for this guy and that and the other thing. Uh, I have a couple uh, honorable mentions I'd like to give if okay. I've got. Throw them. Yeah, man. You can have so, as much time as you want before you go do your cat nursing duties. Sure. So uh, one, I was, I kind of expected you guys to throw at me. Maybe you've picked before. Uh, probably needs no introdu- introduction is Pet Cemetery from the Ramones that was written oh, for yeah. the film yeah, Pet Cemetery. Brian, you did. chose that last year, didn't you? I thought it was you. One of Maybe. us did. Oh, whatever, yeah. yeah, great, great pick. Great song. Uh, they uh, supposedly Dee Dee wrote in Stephen King's basement. So, really? I was, uh, yeah, apparently, you know, they're from New York. Obviously, Stephen King's been living in where Bangor, Maine, or something like that Maine, for forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess they just went up there to meet with him and he was like, oh, I'll write you a song. And apparently went down in his basement and wrote it. So I don't know if that's true or not, but I always thought that was a cool little, you know, lore. One of their more poppy, hookier songs, you know? Yeah. For, for sure. Yeah. Actually, uh, Faster Pussycat, we covered that live off and on for probably five years. Um, amongst a myriad of things, usually during Bathroom Wall, we would do a breakdown and I, they still do sometimes and do a bunch of covers i'd sing a song danny the bass player would sing a song chad my drummer would or the, their drummer would sing a song etc my two other picks that i threw that i was like oh shit i can't believe i ever forgot this <laughs> was here's another one just because we're talking about blues and stuff um and i just recently got it on vinyl and mostly for this this track but also because the record glows in the dark and who doesn't love glow in the dark uh werewolves of london uh from warren zevon yeah hell yeah um and uh, what a great, great song. I mean, used perfectly in American Werewolf from London, um, which. And then Kid ever... Rock used it even more perfectly later on. <clears throat> yeah, well, yeah. And uh, not, a, not a big fan of his, but um, every song in the soundtrack <laughs> for great voice. He's got a great voice when he's singing. Um, which he's usually he and Cheryl Crow did that good photographs. That was a great song together. Good the song. song he did on the first slash solo record is fantastic. I digress. Is that the one I don't Fergie want... also sung on? Yeah, Fergie's on yeah, it, yeah, Ian yeah. Asprey's yeah, on yeah, it, yeah. Lemmy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Iggy Pop. Oh, so many great You're people right. on that. Uh, 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 the singer of Avenged Sevenfold, great song. Any, anyhow, I digress. Uh, every song on uh, American Werewolf in London if you look at the titles or the lyrical content is about something to do with the moon, which I always thought was interesting. Really? Yeah. Uh, of course, now I'm drawing a blank, you know, again, the little goldfish in my head can only swim <laughs> so fast, but let me move on. My last pick is uh, from an artist named Screaming Lord Such, uh, who was sort of the UK's version of, let's say somewhere between Chubby Checker and uh, Screaming Jay Hawkins. He was sort of like, and he eventually, I think he ran for parliament or something like that, but he was like a precursor to Alice Cooper, late sixties, garage rock. And he had all these sort of uh, schlocky Halloween songs like murder in the graveyard. And, uh, uh, and of course I'm forgetting uh, what he had a bunch of stuff though. um, That was all sort of like, you know, the precursor to Alice Cooper, Um, very tongue in cheek. uh, you know, like I think he did a version of Purple People Eater and, and all that stuff. And uh, while I'm at it, I'll throw out uh, anything that Zachary recorded, John Zachary, who was a horror host uh, mm-hmm. 
did a bunch of sort of novelty records in the, in I think mostly the sixties, uh, what is it? Dinner date with Drac and stuff like that. And, uh, so yeah. So if anyone's looking for supplementary material as well, there you go. There's a couple bonus <laughs> tracks. If, if you had to choose one horror soundtrack for someone to pick up, what are you going with? Uh, do you mean, do you want one with bands or you want one with like, nope. like score? Nope. Whatever you want. You tell uh, me like, Hey man, I want a really good horror movie soundtrack. Where on, what do I get? Well, I'll give you both. I would go with, with what, you know, basically my two questions there was I'd give you one with artists and I would go with yours return of the living dead. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, it does have some sort of score on it. Um, as well as a myriad of great, what I would just basically say is like horror punk bands, you know, you get T.S. Well, the cramps, uh, the tall boys, the damned Rocky Erickson with this gem of a song called burn the flames. That might be mm-hmm. my personal favorite Rocky Erickson song ever. Uh, as they're going in, going in, getting like, yeah, they're jumping in and taking the ring off. And yeah. He's putting it on the, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then, uh, I'm just going through all these return to living dead quotes in my head. Bert, uh, it's Frank. We have a problem here. <laughs> um, uh, rabid weasels. Uh, and then for score, uh, score for a horror movie. Mm. And I collect them. I, I have. I mean, go Halloween and go classic. Yeah. I, you know what? John Carpenter to me is great. Uh, I would go with Ennio Morricone from The Thing. How about that? Oh, there we go. That, that is whole soundtrack. And it's very, thing. very simple. Not simple, but subtle. Just the pulsing synth, you know, the, the, the boom. Yeah. Oh, and it's very, that 80s synth too, yes. Yeah. And it's Ennio Morricone. So it's very like, I, I don't know. It, it It's, 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 it's. It, it drives like the standoffs, right? You take it from the spaghetti westerns to the yeah. sci-fi, and, and it gives you that conflict feeling. I, I've been doing some, some writing, some cues for some, some projects for television and film and whatnot. And my biggest, my direct, uh, my prime directive is to sound like that soundtrack. So a lot wow. of the stuff I submitted was like, wow, wow, you know, wow, wow. It's got a little bit of that heartbeat sound too, yeah. right? Like, yeah, like that pulse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pulse, you pulsing, driving, that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, if I'm going to hold you guys hostage and pick another one I just had in the top, the tip of my tongue. And of course, I'd already forgotten what it was. Uh, the, I can't remember who, who did it. It's various, I guess it's various artists. The Shining soundtrack uh, is still gives me, scares yep. the shit out of me. What about um, demons? You ever see that movie Demons, an Italian horror yeah. movie where they're trapped in a theater? Yes. Like old crew on there and a goblin. See, remember just a second ago, I'll go, I was like, oh, I had it on the tip of my tongue goblin. and I forgot it. It's Suspiria with God. It's oh, all goblin. Yeah. Yep, uh, yep. There's a song on there called Witches um, that scares the shit out of me. I, I sometimes when uh, I'm feeling like scaring myself very bad, I turn all the lights off and I put the record on, not the digital, the record, because I want to yeah. hear the the hissing the pops and yeah. the pops and everything. And I'll put that soundtrack on and I get scared. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> Those guys had a pretty, pretty damn good career doing Italian horror films. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dawn of the Dead and, and oh, yeah. Much yeah. anything Argento did, not all, but most of uh they did deep red and um i'm I'm, again you know the little 
mice are going. Well, one of my favorites is I'm wearing wearing the shirt here, Killer oh, yeah. Clowns from Outer Space with the Dick Keys, and then you have some of the actual the scored stuff on that too. I love that soundtrack. That song from the Dickies. I, I mean, I've seen them play so many times, but I, I think that's probably their best best song. It's the best. It is. Yeah. No offense to the Dickies, but that's a great song, and it has you know the carnival uh, like riffs in there. And like when I started playing guitar, that's like one of the first kind of riffs I wanted to learn because it's like yeah, evil carnival. Well, it's clowns. Yeah, great. Stan Lee, the guitar player, is uh really a. An underrated guitar player he's really talented i love that movie too are you a fan of that movie yeah i, I it's not like my all-time favorite but i i'm a i'm a fan yeah so horror fact about that movie um uh the Chodo Chodo brothers, brothers did that movie yeah. and they did all the special effects so a couple of the killer clown costumes they repurposed for Ernest saves christmas and are actually the goblins in that movie I if you look I'm... close enough I think I I might have known that I'm a, I I I guess Ernest is from Tennessee, yeah. And so um, I don't know what happened maybe during the pandemic, but I went back and because I was a, when those movies were all coming out, he was cranking those out. Oh, I yeah. was a little oh, kid, yeah. so I went back maybe two years ago or eighteen months ago and started rewatching all these Ernest films, and I was like. <laughs> These are great. His he had a TV show or something. He's got the where he was. A, there was a character that it was like an evil doctor with yes. a hand on his head. Yeah, and that was in that first movie he did. And I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, that and it was sort of like more in line with like a Tim Burton type thing. It yeah. was kind of scary yeah. for like to be for kids, but uh, really a. Well, he was uh, the villain great. in that movie, right? He wasn't yeah. the good guy, and he was playing Correct. that mad sign. What the hell movie is that? Now I can't. I'm thinking. I can't remember. I can't remember. But it's not a, a great... good movie. I I saw it the movie theater. I convinced my parents to take me to see that. And I was probably ten, maybe. They were yeah. so pissed. Yeah. They were it's, so pissed. It's it's not a good movie, but it was a great breakout role for him to see what he was yeah. capable of doing. You said you guys had something you were going to ask me or something at the end, or we were going to chat about was after the list. I can't remember. Oh, I had a couple like quick hitter questions for you. Sure. All right, real fast. And I, I know you got to run. You're giving us a little extra time, so I appreciate it. It's all good. All right, Halloween edition edition of the lightning round. Brian, okay. what's your favorite Halloween candy, Ace? Uh, Halloween specific candy. The yeah, uh, like you go out trick or treat and like, want to get cream pumpkins. I don't want candy corn. I want the candy corn pumpkin. Ah, candy corn's awful. Brian, do you it's, like candy it's corn? It's disgusting. I, I love it. No. Okay. <laughs> Thank God. Me. I was going to quit the podcast if he said you liked it. <laughs> I was out. Gone. Um, what's your favorite costume you dressed up as a kid? Uh, I went as like a very specific Bella Lugosi version of Dracula. And I was probably like eight, seven or eight, like a little, little kid. And uh, I was very like, it, like the little widow's peak had to be specific and I won some contests at like the local park. And I remember that was like a big deal to me because I had like the medallion. And I remember like my mom's helping me sew this cape collar. And I think by 10, I stopped dressing up. So I really only remember a few years, but that's probably my favorite. <laughs> Classic. What's your favorite horror series? Uh, does Six Feet Under count? I mean, there's ghosts. I mean, I didn't specify movies or TV shows, so sure. Oh, okay. I you said series in my mind. I was thinking television show. That's all right. Uh, horror movie series and stars as far as films. Uh, if I have to go, I know lightning round. I'm gonna take five minutes. If I'm gonna go 
a series with an arc more than just like you know wow creep show that's a series but beyond the yep. first film i don't like i like two but i don't really care the first one you can't touch that film but as far as a series i would go on nightmare on elm street because okay. you get everything you get pop culture you get scares the first one's terrifying yep. uh you get you get camp you get a little bit of humor uh you know i mean kickstarted cool John soundtrack Depp's some career. good like heavy metal yeah docking yeah. you know dream warriors all that stuff yep. so that yeah i would go invasion. last year yeah what's that i'm sorry that was dream warriors was one of my picks last year great pick what a great song i, tr- I chose love love kills by vinnie vincent invasion last year nice is that on the, is that in the same film no different it's one? like on five or okay maybe? yeah i was a later like, one yeah cool so you're going with nightmare okay nightmare what horror movie series just needs to stop? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> um, I this isn't one of them, but I just I had to stop because I had to come up here. Uh, I just put on the new Hellraiser, um, yeah. and I'm enjoying it so far. Of course, I'm only twenty minutes in, uh, but I would say prior to let's say if they're rebooting it, I would say stop with Hellraiser if you're not going to use Doug Bradley um when they started making more films of that without yeah. using him as that same razor in space yeah that was i actually i don't think i hated that one i i hated jason goes to space i hated leprechaun goes yeah. to space i hate what was it any no movie needs to go to space i do feel like uh hellraiser one made more sense than most though but i would say if you're going to make hellraiser without rebooting it which they just did and not cast Doug Bradley as the same Cenobite, then stop. Did you like Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth? Uh, is that the one with the guy with the CDs in his head? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it enough. I mean, the first two are the best. Um, of course. And then it starts to get watered down a bit. But um, For like yeah. a direct-to-cable movie, it's very, very enjoyable, particularly for that scene in the nightclub where armored saint is the band that's playing in that is that who that is that's who that is wow i never knew that that's kind of cool there you go see i told you this podcast is educational i like i'm a sucker for uh trivial information so that's cool (laughs) um what was the first horror movie that you saw i don't know how to answer that because as i mentioned earlier uh i think my father uh raised me on horror movies he's passing i was a young man but when i was a kid all of my early and uh memories that i predominantly retained are with my father watching horror movies or yeah something to do with being a he was rode a motocross so it was either desert rat shit or horror movie shit and uh i don't really know i have some very early memories of watching some films with him that i should definitely not have seen at five six seven eight years old uh i know that we played a game of, you know, what can we watch that'll actually scare me at a way too young of an age. And I think the first film to terrify me was The Shining. I think I saw that at oh. seven years old and I just, Scatman Crothers getting an ax in the chest. Yep. And I remember I had to sleep on his floor. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sleeping. <laughs> I'm not sleeping by myself. But I also think that that house was haunted. And so that's a whole other conversation. But I, Your I, house I was haunted? That my father lived in. Okay. All right. And so uh, I didn't really live there. It was like I'd go visit periodically. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So the, maybe The Shining, I think, was the first. 
So your dad was watching like legit horror movies because I watched horror movies when I was younger with my dad, but he was watching like the B, like the Vincent Price or like the sci-fi, like that stuff you'd see on Elvira's movie macabre type stuff. He, we did it all. And keep in mind, this was, let's say, you know, in 1989, I was six. So, uh, or seven, I can't, I I can't do the math because I was born December 27th, 1982. So okay. I always, I always go, well, in 83, I was not even one. So in 84, I was one. So then I have, I think the math is always weird to me because I was born in 82, but not really. So in, in 1990, I was seven, I think I turned eight in 1990. I don't know. My point is, is that <laughs> at that point at like 10 years old and, and younger, you know, 91, 92, we were going as far back as the thirties. So we might rent uh you know when vhs not dvd but when vhs was king Mm -hmm. we would go rent toxic avenger and then we would go rent you know this old what is it this dark old house whatever the fuck it is dark old house or whatever and or uh you know the tingler or uh frankenstein meets the wolfman or hellraiser 3 or (laughs) you know the movie you know you know house 2 the next the The, second story that's a fun one Oh, great. Well, it's like the, I've got a, a comic kid. book adaption of that it's, somewhere. It's it's, a, it's like a kid's movie. The first one's yeah. like a first. Yeah, I mean, it's the first scary. The first one is a, is kid friendly in a sense, but the second one's straight up like a kid's Luke movie. Bannon's the bad guy in that movie. I'm watching freaking Night Court and then all of a sudden he's like a demon yeah, bu- Vietnam veteran. Yeah, bull. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then Norm from Cheers is is the neighbor and the greatest American hero, William Katz, the, the main character. Yeah, we almost had him as uh, Luke Skywalker too. We, um, we did. Yeah, he he was almost yeah. that role. Uh, that would have been a little different. Yeah, I forgot. Way different. I forgot what the question was, but yeah, that was, was like the first horror movie that you saw. Yeah, it the first. I can. I bet you my life savings that the first horror movie I ever saw was something pre code, like some thirties universal flick i'm sure my dad probably started me with a frankenstein film but my first yeah. memory is the shining because i was like what the fuck am i watching <laughs> what's the best horror remake uh the thing because that's technically a remake um it is from another world 1950 something yeah yeah uh and that that carpenter film i think is his well depending on my mood. I think it's his greatest film, at least top three. Uh, greatest remake, you know, that's a sci-fi That, that movie. counts, though. That's, that that counts. is a remake. I'll count it. Uh, greatest remake. Um, I really thought what Rob Zombie did with the Halloween film was great. Um, I'm biased just because uh, I consider Tyler Maine a friend of mine, and I just love everything to a point, at that point, that Rob Zombie had done. Um, almost enjoyed that version equal as the original. So yeah, but I put those two up there. Okay. What is the worst remake? <laughs> the rest of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, I used to say House on Haunted Hill, but I was subjected to rewatching that recently, and I didn't hate it as much as I. It's harmless. It's dumb. Harmless. harmless. It's it 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 doesn't need to exist. Uh, going back a step, the Thirteen Ghosts remake is also great. Um, because it's really nothing to do with the original. Uh, and I actually enjoy that remake. Uh, the worst remake. Uh, let me, I'm like looking around who ruined something I love. Um, 
I don't know. The Shining remake or whatever you want to call it for t- made for TV wasn't very good. I never um, saw that one. Don't. Um, yeah, I don't know. I hate to poop. I, I don't like yucking on anyone's yums. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but everything it's like music. It's subjective. Just because you don't exactly. like it doesn't mean somebody else doesn't. Can't yeah, like it. it's all it's There's, all, art, you know, art is subjective and yeah. film is art. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's got to be some remake of something that's just blatantly terrible and i'm drawing a blank but i'll, I'll I, go I, with did you I'll ever see the poltergeist remake oh i didn't i've never seen that because i love the first one so much i don't i can't been able to look at it i you know what i had on the turntable last night going into this morning was the soundtrack because i just got it on, at a convention on sunday uh i love that film so much i saw the remake i think on a plane by like sheer lack of options. And I'm sitting there watching this little three inch screen with my earbuds in. And I'm like, eh, eh. You <laughs> and know, that's uh, Sam. What's his name? It starred in that one uh, character. Actor. Oh yeah. You, uh, I like him. Remember his last name. I just didn't yeah, like him. Yeah. He's great. Film. He's yeah. a good actor. Just, yeah. That movie legit probably gave me nightmares for a month. The first time I saw that one. Crazy. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. It's jacked up. All right. Real fast. How do you take your coffee? Depends on my mood. Usually one cream, one sugar. Uh, although, to be honest, I have no sugar in the house. So I guess one cream. All right. One cream. Um, these last two questions that we're going to give you are to determine whether or not you're a psychopath. And they come <laughs> from a mutual friend of ours. Leilani yeah. Kilgore gave us, gifted us these oh, questions. I know oh, you know awesome. Leilani. Yes. She's so you know they're going to be good. Yeah. She is she is like our sister on this podcast at this point. She's got she's, she's got free reign to do whatever she wants with us. Like she, she sure does. She, she come on every and week. She should be famous. She's she awesome. should she can play the shit out of guitar and sing. Man, we we had the I guess the only time I really met her in person. We we had this really really heartfelt like you know like heavily personal conversation for someone I really only knew from the interwebs. And yeah. for maybe well over an hour and just made me be like, oh, what a great, wonderful person you are on top of being just this killer guitar player. So, yeah, oh. and, 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 and singer, front woman. I've seen her perform a few times, not just as a guitar player, but great voice, Energy. great everything. Yeah, like so, the, did you see her play with the punk band, The Beat Creeps? No, I keep missing them. I've oh. actually been to one or two Come shows on. that they played and I got there and they were like, thank you. Good night. And I was like, fuck. So no, not yet, but I, I keep meaning to. Okay, so what were what were her questions? Oh, all right, two questions. Sure. When putting on your shoes, do you put on <laughs> your socks on both feet first and then your shoes, or you put one sock, one shoe on each foot first? Socks and then shoes. All right, all right, you're good so far. You're one out of two. Last question. When you're making a bowl of cereal, do you put in the cereal in the bowl first and then the milk, or the milk first and then the cereal? Who the fuck puts the milk in first? <laughs> that's some, everybody responds to that one. That's some weird. That's some weird ass shit right there. I don't even know what that is. I remember, I have this vivid memory of my mother. I was a young man. Uh, yeah, I keep saying I was a. I was a young man. I was a little kid. I was probably like seven or eight. And my mother, God bless her, was working. I don't know how many jobs. And she was talking to me and making me bowl of cereal. Obviously, I was incapable of making it myself. I was a probably six and she was pouring she worked two 
bar job. So she was up very late pouring the milk into the box of cereal. And I remember being like, something's <laughs> wrong with this picture. She was like, shit. <laughs> so she like ruined this box of cereal. So no, the cereal goes in the bowl and then you pour the milk on top. But I don't remember. I, I'm slightly lactose intolerant. So the last time I had milk just as milk was probably almond years, milk counts years ago. I mean, I have cheese all the time, but yeah, no, 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 no. Cereal I'll eat. I eat like a snack, but no. Yeah. No, no do, do you have a favorite cereal to go to? I'm not allowed to have it, but it's Lucky Charms uh, oh. because uh, there is something about the chemicals in those marshmallows <laughs> that make me immediately ill. <laughs> And uh, I love it. It's like crack cocaine to me. I'll pick out. I actually treated myself at the beginning of the month to a box of, because it's the same shit, but a box of, uh, yeah. what is it? You know, uh, not Frankenberry, uh, uh, Booberry. Booberry, and I, yeah. Got booberry. A, and I picked out all right, the yeah. marshmallows and I was like, I don't want these, I don't want this cat food. And so, uh, and, uh, and I immediately regretted it. <laughs> I've always so, wanted to do that with Count Chocula, but I've never gotten around to it. I highly uh, recommend it. A fan brought me a few years ago a bag. I don't know how. I guess they sometimes sell it of just the Lucky Charms marshmallows. Oh, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I I must have made myself sick for like a week straight because I, I, I have no I have minimal self-control with with like snacks, which is why I try to not keep them in the house. <laughs> and so I have like, you know, five or seven or 20 handfuls of these whatever. It's not like a traditional marshmallow, but whatever you want to no. call it. This powder. It's, it's, it's sugar molded into a marshmallow shape. With <laughs> yeah, powder. with like, you know, whatever weird chemicals that uh, Kellogg's puts in or whatever it is. And then I, my body rejects it, if you will. And so I hated my life for however long I was eating them. So, yeah, there's uh, you want tr TMI. There it is. But yeah. So. Uh, well, you know, you can't have a horror Halloween special without bodily fluids being involved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's weird. They, they, the, the rainbow is comes out the both ends. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> well, it is right. The rainbow has had two ends. Of course, you know there's. Yeah, it's not yeah. a not a pot of gold at the back yeah, end. Now. It, it goes in rainbow and it comes out a weird rainbow too. Yeah. <laughs> well, we could thank Yuck. Leilani for that. Ace, you proved not to be a psychopath, at least based on those <laughs> questions. So, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, can, hey, can, we loved having you on here, man. Very much appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thank you um, for having me. Where do we go to find out more about Ace Von Johnson, your charities, LA Guns? Where do you want to send us? Um, I'm not sure if the mic is picking it up. I hear something like bubbling. That's my <laughs> that? that's my dog dreaming. Oh, oh, yipping. Yeah, I heard that, yeah. And... Uh, She's got her tongue hanging out and uh, she's dreaming of lucky charms. She's dreaming of the lucky charms diarrhea that follows. And uh, yeah, if you want to know more about me, there's plenty. Um, I just, I was hoping that the <laughs> mic was picking that up because whatever. it was, I, yeah, I heard it. Yeah. She's, I thought she was waking I up. I see her paws going too. Twitching. Chasing rabbits. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing her whole thing back there. She's trying to steal. My one dog her. is so old. Honestly, sometimes my wife and I have to go over and make sure she's not dead. Something like oh she sleep God. with her eyes open. And we're like, oh no, God, she just died. Like poking uh, her. Are you okay, Trixie? Well, she as long as she's okay. Uh, yeah, acevonjohnson.com. Uh, I have an Instagram and I have a Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter. Both are at yep. acevonjohnson, A-C-E-V-O-N-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. 
Uh, I have a Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Johnson. Uh, you're, you're on there. I and, am on uh, there. And I will say everybody, I'm going to stop you. It is the one of the best bangs for your buck that you can get. You're always putting content on there. Um, it's like, just do it. You're noodling on guitar, whatever. It is great. Thank I you. love it. I'm happy. I'm signed up. I appreciate the support. And I, it's, it's really been such a great platform for me uh, not only to connect with people and, and to, to, you know, sort of force my hand to create and think outside the box, but it, it's just been, um, sort of a lifesaver. It was great to have during the pandemic to kind of mm-hmm. keep, keep me sane, give me something to do. Uh, obviously there's, you know, financial aspect to it as well. That's really great. And it, it's, it's wonderful to have such a great support system, um, where I've sort of turned my back. I don't even have a Facebook anymore. There was just too many stuff where people, you know, anyone could make a fake account and go, Hey man, fuck you, fuck you. And then disappear. <laughs> and I'm like, my day's ruined. Why, why am I subjected to this? Uh, you know, so it was nice to sort of basically filter, um, the, the sort of like best part of, of a fan base into a platform like that. And I love doing it. Um, so yeah. So if anyone's interested in checking that out, uh, patreon.com slash Johnson, but you, you know, you can find tiers. Yeah. There's different tiers. And, um, and I, I do, I take a hefty percentage of that every month and do charitable stuff with that as well. And, uh, and then, you know, anything else you, you need is uh, I have a .com. So acevonjohnson.com and you can find all that stuff linked from there as well. So. Yep. Yeah. Again, going back to your Patreon, one of the things that drew me to it, obviously fan LA guns and your stuff, but the fact that you're doing all the charity stuff and the people on your Patreon is cool as hell. You've got your own discourse group. Like everybody is really super nice and supportive and not negative. And that's yeah. kind of refreshing too. I saw, I actually saw, I guess today's Monday. I keep thinking it's Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, a, a woman from the Patreon happens to be in Nashville visiting, I think for work and we ran into each other at this record convention I had mentioned I was at yesterday. I got to catch up and um, there's some people that had like met through it. And I think two different times people were like on vacation together and they're like, we met through your Patreon. And I was like, through, through like the, the uh, discord, the app, the chat yeah. app. And I was like, yeah. that's, you know, I mean, I don't want to take credit for it, but I was like, what a, what a cool little thing to sort of help, you know, I don't know, be a part of in, in, in you know, re- I don't know. I don't know how to word it properly, but you know, you're making involved. community of friends. You're making a true community. <laughs> yeah. It's a really cool community to be, be um, at the forefront of. And so I, I just, I can't speak, speak highly enough about that. Um, having that platform at my disposal. So it's, it's been great. And my point was, is, is thank you for being there being one of the, the patron uh, patron oh, man listen if it sucked i wouldn't be giving you your money <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough. <laughs> you know I'm, I'm a nice guy but I, i'm cheap too so you would it would not happen fair fair well thank well, you get, both for having me thank you man thanks for being our guest for the halloween special go to ace von johnson's patreon follow him on twitter and i think instagram only if you're our patreon correct I have a public page, uh, public okay. Instagram. It's just at, you know, Ace Von Johnson. Uh, there's a private one through the uh, Patreon as well. Uh, I post there. I'm sure you've seen. I post there pretty much mm-hmm. daily and I'll yep. go live from there, whether I'm on tour or backstage or traveling or re- recording or streaming guitar playing, et cetera. Uh, the public Instagram, I don't really use. I'll post like an album that comes out or stuff like that, or I'll throw some stuff in stories. Um, I'm just 
I, I, like I said a minute ago, I'm just social media to me is a necessary evil and it's a great tool. Um, but there are so many people out there that their only purpose is, is to be negative or toxic or hateful. And I just rather exclude those elements. And so, uh, unfortunately, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those things are subject to that. So I try to limit my, uh, public, uh, engagement with those types as much as possible. And I've found that that's what's best for me, uh, personally. So I just spend all my time with my dog. You're very positive on that stuff too. And like nice to people and fans like, no, you're, I think that's part of what draws is like, you know, you're a positive influence out there, not being a, being a dick to people back. Well, I, I appreciate that. I hope so. And, but I'll tell you what, I'll be the first person to be a fucking asshole too. Like, I mean, I think twice this week, somebody randomly, just randomly, there was something like I had written something on a friend's post from like a month ago. And some random person was like, you know, I can't believe that you're used to work with this guy, this musician, and he's an asshole. And I was like, first of all, it's got nothing to do with me. Second of all, fuck you, you know, and it turned into this whole thing, you know, and it, it, it went on for hours and, and nobody cares about this, but they were uh, accusing me of being uh, uh, sup- uh, something hateful. And I was like, I was like, I know that you don't realize this, but I was like, I'm currently at a fundraising event for, um, um, for uh, uh, an LGBT community thing here in town. That was also do- a dog related event. And I was like, so don't, you're, you're, don't accuse me of being a hateful person when I'm actually walking the walk right now. And you're online just talking shit. You know, I was like, if anyone's being a hateful asshole, it ain't me. You know, I was like, but if you want to see that side of me, I don't, I don't mind showing it, you know? Uh, But again, that's what I'm talking about is like, there's so much of that vitriol on just public social media that I find that it's really, really personally exhausting. And because I have a hard time, I was like, I got to go, but let me rant for 10 minutes. Uh, I have a hard time just ignoring it because to me, it's not okay. It's not okay to just be like, Hey, Brian, fuck you. And then like, you know, (laughs) yeah, Brian, I got, fuck you. Yeah. I got, we all got subjected to that as kids. I'm not 14 anymore. I don't want to get bullied. Yeah. But you say that somebody punched in the face in person though. Well, I can't can't publicly condone violence, but not enough people have been hit in the face. Yeah. In my opinion. And there was a time and I'm young enough to, or old enough to remember where if you went, Hey, Brian, fuck you. And you walked up to me and went, (laughs) you learned a lesson. Yep. Not, that's not how things are anymore. And I'm not saying they should be like that, but I am saying that. But there are repercussions for your actions. Not, not enough people, not enough people get repercussions for their actions. And I've chosen to limit who I allow to ripple my pond. And, um, and I don't want to go too deep, but there are so many people out there that would love nothing more than to upset me, you, them, that guy that, you know, anybody just because they can. And I think right. that's really, really upsetting and why you don't see me on Facebook and why I don't post on Instagram anymore. <clears throat> and if I had my druthers, if I was, you know, a Nikki six or somebody like that, I wouldn't have any of it. 
You know, I would be yep. enjoying my life doing music and dog rescue stuff. And that's it, you know, and I don't want to keep going and going and going because it, it doesn't reflect on me so great, but that's my personal stance. And that's, I don't think it'll ever get any better. No, I think you've got a hole in your soul. If you go on the, the social media, it's just to be dick to people every day. You got something wrong with you. So, yeah. And it says more about those people than it does me. And, you know, I know people out there that don't like me for a myriad of reasons, and that's totally within their right. And I don't care. But when they start, when I open, it's a gamble every day. When I wake up, I take my dogs out and I make myself a cup of coffee and I'm home and I open the internet and I get this little nanosecond of anxiety. Cause it's like, <laughs> what am I walking? There could, you know, there could, you know, you're a public from, figure, of course. Yeah. Steve from Sheboygan says, fuck you, you know? And it's like, <laughs> what, what uh, and why, you know, and you, and you could pick any, any reason. They just be, you know, doesn't like that I exist or doesn't like that I'm on your podcast or doesn't like that I'm a pit bull advocate. I had a lot of that this week um, or, or anything. I mean, you could pick anything. I, I've, I've been subjected to the most insane things. Someday there'll be a book and uh, I've seen some true insanity, not just putting on one sock at a time kind of insanity, but <laughs> some real, real world shit. And so, uh, you know, it's made me really all these little elements are why I've withdrawn, you know, yeah. and, uh, and why you get the weirdo that I am. It makes sense though. And like, now that you say that, that really registers, like you're a public figure, like people, Anytime you go anywhere on anything, there's a good chance that somebody could take a shot just because you're a public figure. Like Brian and I don't have to live our lives that way every day. Like I, mm -hmm. that, that would, that would suck. That would have well, heavy weight. And what weirds me out is that like, I don't, maybe it's because I'm not capable of seeing a forest for the trees or something to that effect, but I'm just like, I'm like, I'm just some dorky guy that likes Vincent Price and record and punk rock. Like, what is the problem? You know? Um, and uh, there's some guy that's like, you know, you know, you're not Brent Muscat, you know, so I hate you or whatever the, you know, you know, whatever jour, reason they have, problem right? du jour is. Yeah. And uh, it, 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 it's it's exhausting. The flip side is, is that when people even at that record convention yesterday, several people came up to me um, and there's sort of an unspoken language here in Nashville where like if you see a celebrity or a musician you're supposed to like it's a nashville thing where you're like this is a safe space and you're not supposed to be like can i get a selfie you know but um which nobody did but um you know people come up and they're like hey man i saw your show at the marathon it was great and i'm like oh i didn't i didn't know anybody i was just looking for a tom petty album i didn't know uh you know or whatever and so that was cool that those it, it's a balance not to make this a therapy session but it balances of like you know, I'm like, which if someone walks up to me like, are you Ace Vaughn Johnson? And I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? You know, maybe um, because of those negative sides of things, you know, it makes me, yeah, you know, not enjoy sometimes engaging. So again, going back to Patreon, that's the best part is having this great group of people that are just all like, fuck yeah, awesome. You know, and we're all friends and you're friends and we love what you're doing, you know, so it's nice to sort of go to that bastion of just support and optimism, you know, rather than the scary real world. Right. So yeah, that's it. That's my rant. <laughs> that's the yin to the public gang. Well, again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for your excellent music choices and talking a little bit horror film and everything. I, I love it. Yeah, I'm a big fan, you. as you can tell, and Brian tolerates me. So that's all I can <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for your time. And uh, appreciate you guys. Let, let me 
give you my five plus songs and then for the uh, TED talk there at the end. <laughs> yeah. Thank you Ace, so much for being on and thank you for everything you do with the dogs and, and sharing music with us and uh, doing so many art projects. So thank you so much. Of course. Yeah, man. My, pre- my pleasure. Thanks guys. Big thanks to Ace Von Johnson from LA Guns for uh, joining us, talking to us about all things spooky songs, um, spooky soundtracks, horror movies, and also his uh, work in helping with um, helping do some dog rescue stuff and fostering and helping finding them homes. Like we love that because we're dog lovers. So, but uh, you know, is uh, really fascinating to listen to him talk about you know, uh, the horror movies and soundtracks and obscure stuff. And, you know, maybe someday we can get him and Boone on at the same time. That'd, that'd be oh, man, <laughs> that would be something because we do know, again, Boone was on last year along with Daisy Dead. Very appropriate uh, mm-hmm. to talk horror stuff. It would be great. And Ace is a cool guy, man. He is a man of many interests. He's a very, um, like you say, animal advocate. He does that. He does like he's a real positive person. Like anybody that ever interacts with him, on social media knows that he's really more, one of the more positive forces out there and just kind of is known as an all around good guy. And he certainly didn't, didn't disappoint with us on the podcast. Yeah. And he has just such deep, you know, obscure stuff, soundtracks and all that, you know, even if it wasn't in his picks, it's talking about that. I think you probably recognize some of that stuff more than I did, but he's, uh, he's talking about like the posters he got that we couldn't see. Yeah. And uh, he's just, if you get a chance to talk to him, man, take, 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 take that chance. And it's a good chance. And yeah, what else can I say? I mean, I dig all that stuff. I'm obviously a horror movie fan and, and know a lot of it because I watched that stuff growing up and getting to chat with him about the soundtracks and some of the movies and, and the lightning round, you know, get into some of those more, those Halloween and those scary uh, movie oriented things. It was really great. It was really a pleasure to me. That's almost, that's almost at the level of talking sports with Steve Gorman in my book. Yeah, I mean, because he knows, you know, people that have uh, acted in some of these movies and yeah, and some relatives that have directed some of the movies. Yeah, for sure. Class of nineteen ninety nine and like just stuff like just I loved it. I I I loved it. Loved talking with him. He was he was good. We got a little into more of his career than I expected us to do, and it was great to actually hear that he had been in an, an Americana band at one point, which is hard to imagine, but yeah. I I love to hear that. Right, right, yeah. No, it was all good. So uh, always remember, happy Halloween. Southern Rock is reverent, loses blood. We'll see you next time. (laughs) (laughs) Get away! Get away!
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.